This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2016. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Uh, Come with me, please, to Mark's Gospel, chapter 7. Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, and reading from verse 24. From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard about it, but heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek a Syrophoenician by birth. And she kept asking him to cast out the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first. For it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. I want to speak to you today This morning and this evening, our theme will be divine healing. Throughout the whole Bible, it is quite evident that the healing of sicknesses and diseases and infirmities was commonplace. And although sickness was ultimately one of the consequences of the fall in the Garden of Eden, yet it is manifested in various and different ways. Uh, Sometimes it is the, the direct attack of Satan himself. As you read the story of Job, then that's very self-evident to see that. Uh, Sometimes it is uh, Satan who does it uh, directly, like the woman who was bowed over for 18 years that Jesus says, whom Satan has bound these 18 years. Uh, Sometimes it is through demonic activity that we have just read about the Syrophoenician woman. I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 9 this time. Mark chapter 9, reading from verse 14. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, and scribes disputing with them. And immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth and he gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. 
And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. He fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him, enter him no more. And the spirit cried out and convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, the disciples asked him privately, why, should, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but by prayer and by fasting. I want you to compare that to Mark chapter 7. Just back a little bit. Uh, reading from verse 31. Again departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. So the, the, the illnesses here are quite similar. Deaf, dumb, impediment in speech. And they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude, put his fingers in his ears. They spat and touched his tongue, then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephrathah, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded that they should not tell anyone, but the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. I want you to notice the difference in those two incidences. And the first one we see for sure it was demonic activity. A demon had to be cast out. A demon had caused the deafness and the dumbness. But in the second reading, we see the man was deaf and he was virtually dumb, impediment in his speech. But there's no talk about demons. None at all. Not even a talk about the devil. He just simply took him aside, spat on the ground, touched his tongue, put his finger in his ears, said, be open. His ears was opened and he could speak immediately. So why am I saying that? I'm saying that because not all sicknesses and illness can be directly put down to demonic or the devil activity. Now we know that originally and fundamentally it has all come from Satan himself because before Satan came there was no sickness, there were no diseases, there was no illnesses, but that was the outcome of the fall in the Garden of Eden. And so lest we think that everybody that's deaf or everybody that's dumb should have a demon and so forth and needs cast out, not necessarily so. And you can see that in those two instances. Now, what about today? Can we, should we expect for the sick to be healed or for miracles to happen? 
because there are many, many believers who say no, who say that that era has passed, that that was simply in apostolic days. That was at the beginning of the early church. But now that we have the scriptures and we have uh, medical opportunities uh, to use medicine and so forth, that that's no longer required. So we should not even be looking at that or thinking about that. But that has no basis in Scripture. In fact, there's no basis in history either. But that is prevalent within the Christian church today in many, many quarters, that we should not be expecting God to heal us at all because that was only for the beginning of the church. But since the apostles all passed away, then it's no longer requirement or we shouldn't be looking for that. But that's not what the Scriptures teach at all. It's not what history even teaches us because God is still healing today. We've had uh, testimony over these past number of weeks of people even in here uh, who has been healed and, uh, and there was no other reason for that other than God did it today. So he's still doing it. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're not saying enough of it. Grant it. But that doesn't mean to say he's not still doing it. And then there's those who argue uh, that this is God's way of correcting his saints or teaching them a lesson. Come with me to Hebrews 12 because this is the, the scripture that's generally used in this argument. Hebrews 12. Verse, reading from verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And you have, have, you, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons, and here's what is used. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you're without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now, the argument is, you see, that God uses sickness, A, to chasten us, B, to draw us aside onto himself. Now, there's no question if some of us was, had some illness, maybe we would be out of the busyness of a daily life for a while, off work or whatever. Maybe we would have more time to focus and concentrate on the things of God, no question about that. But that's not the reason for the sickness. If we say that God gave us this sickness in order to take us aside or in order to rebuke us or chasten us or correct us, and if we base it on that scripture, then we've got it completely wrong. It doesn't say God gives us sickness and diseases to correct us. It says God chastens us. And there's a big, big difference. 
What does chasten mean? Chasten, the word means here to instruct, to train, to teach, to educate. Just the way a, a teacher or a parent would instruct a student or a pupil or a son or a daughter, a child. To teach, to instruct, instruct, to educate, to train. Now, a father or a teacher may use uh, uh, several methods of discipline. Uh, uh, he, he may withhold something for a while. You know, we talk about grounding our children today. Uh, he may speak strongly to them. Or he may make the person do it over and over and over again until they get it right. But if that person has no interest in being disciplined in that way, if that person will not receive instruction or training or education and refuse it, then God may say, all right, I'll let you go on and you'll suffer the consequences. What you have sown, then you will reap. But don't be thinking that God has stricken you with sickness and disease in order to correct you or in order to draw you aside to himself. Listen, if that is the case, why do people who believe it, why do they do everything in their power to get rid of the sickness? If you truly believe God has given it to you, why would you want to get rid of it? If you believe God has a purpose in it, why do you want to get rid of it? And almost everybody I've ever known even that has believed that, is doing everything in their power through natural means to get rid of it. It doesn't make much sense, does it? It's either one or the other. And so we would be fighting against God's will if we believe it is God's will. Why would we do that? So let us be fully persuaded today. Is it God's will to heal? And is it his will to heal us? Because even if we believe it's God's will to heal, even today, but do we struggle as his will to heal me? And I think that's an area that the enemy can fight us on. Yeah, we believe God heals. Yeah, we've heard testimony. Yes, God's still healing today. Yes, mighty miracles is happening, but it's not happening to me. Why is it not happening to me? Maybe God doesn't want to heal me. So then we struggle with that. So we need to know what is the will of God. The only way we're going to know the will of God is read his will. If some aunt left you a will and you were named in the will, would you not want to read that will and know what is in it for you? The only way we're going to know God's will is read his will. And this Bible is, in a sense, God's last will and testament for us. So if we want to know what God thinks about it, then we've got to read God's Word to find out. In the three years plus that Jesus walked this earth, who went about doing good and healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil only one single time, only one person ever questioned his will. Nobody ever questioned his ability. That was plain and obvious. But only one person questioned his will, and you know it was a leprous man. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus says, I am willing. I will. And he made it very evident and very plain that was his will. In Matthew 12, 15, it says, Great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. 
In Matthew 14, 36, as many as touched him were made perfectly whole. Luke 6, 19, the whole multitude sought to touch him and he healed them all. Matthew 8, 16 and 17, and when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. He cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And Luke 4.40, And when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with different diseases brought them unto him. He laid his hands on every one of them, and he healed them. There was no exceptions, none whatsoever. Not one single exception. In Acts chapter 8, verse 4, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. And so after Jesus went back to heaven, his disciples and his apostles carried on where he left off. And as you read through the book of Acts, you'll see that, Acts 3, Peter and John going through the gate beautiful into the temple. Saw the lame man lying there. And Peter looking at him says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he, wa he leapt up and he walked and he danced about still after Christ had gone. Acts 14, Paul at Lystra, perceiving that the crippled man had faith to be healed, said, stand upright on your feet. And he stood up and he leaped up on his feet. Isn't it remarkable that in all the ministry of Jesus, in all of the thousands tens of thousands of people that he ministered to in all of that time, not once did he ever say to one single person, it is not my will to heal you. It is not my Father's will to heal you. Not once. If he had of, then he could have left us in some doubt. But he didn't. Thousands, thousands. No exceptions. Everybody that came get healed. So the problem doesn't seem to be in his side, does it? If there's a problem, somewhere it's on our side. And all of us, including me, all of us need his touch, don't we? At some time or other we need his touch. The only time, I suppose, was in Matthew 13. And this wasn't to an individual. In Matthew 13, verse 
Verse 53, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in the synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and, and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Not that he didn't want to. He couldn't because of their unbelief. He had to leave. In Isaiah 53... Isaiah 53, the well-known portion, verse 4, speaking of Christ, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Griefs there is sicknesses, sorrows, pains. Yes, we know it's speaking of the cross. Yes, we know it is speaking of our salvation, but also speaking of our physical well-being. And we can prove it from Scripture. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And then, of course, in 1 Peter 2, 24, let me just read. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. And Peter's quoting back to Isaiah 53. And some say, well, there you see, he's talking about salvation. Well, of course he's talking about salvation, that's for sure, because Isaiah 53 is a messianic, psalm, or messianic uh, prophecy. It's talking about Christ going to die on the cross and all the rest of it, but being striped for us. But then if you read Matthew 8, verses 16 and 17, it says, And healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities, our weaknesses, and bare our sicknesses, our diseases. So nothing could be clearer than that. Yes, Isaiah 53 is speaking about her sins, but it's speaking about her sicknesses as well. So provision has been made for both. Why should we leave one out? We all believe Jesus died for our sins. We all believe he carried our sins and bore them away. We believe that, but do we really believe that he carried our sicknesses and bore them away too? Because that's what the scriptures are saying. People argue against it, they fight against it, but that's what it says. If we want to know the will of God, you've got to read his will. And if his will says that, then who are we to argue against that? But why we argue is because we're not seeing it enough. We're not seeing the evidence of it enough, so we argue against it for that reason but we should fight for it because of the Word of God. 
It's either one or the other. And so this morning and this evening, as God leads us, we want to try to get into our spirit, into our thinking, into our very hearts, the whole idea that God wants to heal today. And he wants to heal us. He wants to touch our lives. I need his touch. You need his touch. Who doesn't need his touch? Amen. And it's wonderful if you're fit and you're well and you're healthy. You don't even think about these things. But when you are sick and you are ill, then you do think about it. And thank God he's still touching people today. We think of dear Margaret Brady, her and Johnny's anniversary, they're away today, but just there a few weeks ago, just sitting in that seat over there, God touched her lungs. And for the first time in seven years, she could breathe the way that she was meant to breathe. In fact, she phoned me up when I was in Dublin a couple of Mondays ago, and she says, I'd just been to the hospital, and they've just told me, the fact that Lady Dutter says, your breathing is as good as mine. <laughs> it's perfect. And I was just sitting in the seat while young Jonas Anderson from Sweden was preaching. Just in the middle of the sermon, she felt the Spirit of God come on her, and suddenly... She could breathe for the first time fully because she was shallow breathing for the first time in years. Like a Wilson there, God touched him in his own home, not even in church. Nobody preaching. Think of Sharon there, who's there when Donegal this weekend preaching there, his dad's church, Jason's dad's church, and how that she had that tumor in the brain. And just recently she went to get it checked out and it was gone. So God is still showing us the evidence is there. We need to believe it, amen? We need to believe it. With God, all things are possible. And all things are possible, Jesus said to him who believes. Can we believe today, this morning, A, that God wants to still heal us, and B, that he wants to heal us, me, individually? Let's believe that today. Let's trust him today that he's still doing the work. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he's doing it anywhere else in the world, then he can do it here. <laughs> I was reading just this morning before I left here, about, and I've known about it for a long time, about the great work among the gypsies, the traveling people, the light and life organization been going for 30 plus years. And how it's sweeping across Europe and across Britain and even into Ireland where they're getting saved, they're getting born again and they're fully trusting and believing that God is doing miracles among them and many are getting healed and the evidence is there that God's still moving and working and it's wonderful, Amen. wonderful. They reckon half, half the population of the gypsies in Europe are now born again believers. Oh, Isn't that wonderful? So God has taken faith where he finds it and the people reach out to him. And so this morning and this evening we'll continue tonight and maybe even further because sometimes you have to keep at this for a little bit. But this morning we want to pray and we want to believe together that God still does what he does. Amen. That he hasn't changed, that his word hasn't changed and we're going to trust him. Amen? So could we stand please? Now, tonight we may do it differently. Uh, but this morning, as I was praying this morning, 
when I got up before we get ready to come to church, I was thinking and praying. And I feel this morning, well, probably different tonight, but I feel this morning, James says to pray one for another that you may be healed. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray one for the other. And it doesn't mean that somebody has to tell you what's wrong with them. I mean, I know people in here, they've got a sickness and illness, and they told me, but they haven't told hardly anybody else. And that's all right. I'm not going to break any confidence in that. But you could be standing beside somebody this morning that really, really needs God's touch. And he's no respecter of persons. And if he can touch anybody, he can touch you today. You say, could God work through me? Could God use me? Yes, he could. He could use anybody. But all we have to do is say, Lord, I believe that you're the same today as you have ever been. You have not changed. And you can touch me today as somebody prays for me, or you can touch somebody as I pray for them. Pray for one another that you may be healed. All right? So we're going to do that. So wherever you are, Maybe you're standing beside somebody. Or maybe there's somebody specifically, and you, you, you may want to put your hand and say, I need prayer today. I need prayer. Just where you are. And one or two people will go over to where you are, lay hands, and pray for you. You don't have to tell them what's wrong with you. God already knows what's wrong with you. All they have to do is say, Lord, we believe, we're trusting you to touch us today. You're in the house by your spirit, and your word has shown us that we need to lay hands and pray. Not all the time you have to lay hands on. Jesus didn't do it all the time either. But right this morning, that's what we need to do. To reach out in compassion and faith and believe that God will do it. Amen. Amen. Lord, as a congregation, we stand before you today. We have looked at your word a little this morning. We have been encouraged and challenged. And Lord, we believe what you said is the truth. And Lord, you are the same. You have not changed. And your word will never change. Whether we believe it or whether we don't, you are not going to change your word to suit what we believe. Your word is set. So Lord, help us to line up with your word today and trust and believe that you are God and that nothing is impossible to you. Nothing. And Lord, today you can touch. And Lord, even there's no distance in prayer today. Lord, today we could pray for somebody else that's not even here today. And Lord, you can touch them. Amen. Lord, that woman came about her daughter, and her daughter wasn't even there. And yet, Lord, you healed her. You delivered her even in her house. So, Lord, we look to you right now today, and we're going to trust and believe in the name of Jesus the name above every name. The mighty name of Jesus. And so just where you are, why don't you reach out to somebody or go to somebody or if you want to signal to somebody around you and say, yes, I need prayer today, brother or sister, please pray for me today and we'll come and lay hands on you and pray for you. Amen. Somebody's got their hand up at the front, so somebody go to him. Somebody over there, go to there. Anybody at all, just where you are, just reach out and pray. Don't wait, just go ahead. Or maybe if somebody's beside you, just join them in prayer. Maybe for somebody else that's not here and you can join together. If two of you agree on earth is touching anything, there may be somebody 
not even in this church that needs prayer, why don't you join together with somebody and faith believing for them to be touched? Pray for Gilbert this morning. Pray for Olivia's father today. You know, there's, there's plenty of people who needs prayer. Pray for wee Isa. Couldn't be here this morning because she's ill. There's different people who needs prayer and who needs a touch from God today. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word that is alive. It's powerful. It's quicker than any two-edged sword. We thank you, Lord, that you still have the power to heal today. And Lord, as we reach out in faith believing, as we lay hands upon and we agree together, we're going to trust, O Lord, that you will do what your word says you will do. And Lord, that you will bring health and healing and cure to bodies, to minds, to spirits, Lord, to emotions, whatever the need is today. It may not be physical. It may be emotional. It may be in the mind. It may be in the soul. Lord, we pray today that you will minister life in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you will bring health to bodies in Jesus' name, health to minds, health to spirits, health, Lord, emotionally. Lord, we need your touch today. I need it. We all need it. And so we're believing, Lord, that you will reach out by your spirit and minister in the name of Jesus. We give you thanks, Lord, for this. Blessed be your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.